Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer rated Pirelli Scorpion Weather Active. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. Appreciate everyone listening. Recording this a little later than I typically do on a Thursday because we had this little thing called schedule release. We know who everyone's playing. And I, I realize I got a lot of respect now for like the national guys that kind of have to talk about everyone. And let's face it, a lot of them will just talk about like the Patriots and the, and the Cowboys. Uh, but there's just a lot going on with the schedule release. There's a lot. A lot of, I, don't, I haven't done the math, but 16 times whatever. There's a lot of games. I mean, a lot of games, a lot going on. I'll try to give a big overview of just several things that jumped out to me. There is one specific game that stood out to me like a sore thumb that is just like, wow, this this is a a transcendent, potentially, moment for the NFL to kind of put a stake in the back of the NBA. Playing on Christmas Day, we'll dive deep into that. Earl Thomas, you know, has just has a crazy story. Brett Favre, fraud. I'll dive into those two stories that were just like, what the hell is going on? Then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. The direct messages are wide open. 
You slide up in there and ask any question you want. Over the weekend and the next several days, I'm not going to go team by team here. So you got specific questions, feel free. Slide up in those DMs about specific games, teams, how you think the schedule, and then I can answer it. It's just it's too difficult to go team by team, right? It just take too long. It, it honestly, I, what's the point of that exercise? Let's start with opening weekend and just the opening game in general. I think the NFL did a good job. They have the Chiefs, so when you have Mahomes, you can't lose. But giving them the Texans, it's like to me, that's solid. You, you do two things. One, you get a pretty polarizing team. I think most football fans laugh and make fun of Billy O'Brien. Some of it justified. I think some of it is a little extreme. He's treated like Freddie Kitchens when he goes to the playoffs every year. He's not the loser that he's portrayed on Twitter. You know, every guy with a Twitter account thinks Bill O'Brien's the village idiot. Now, is he a good GM? No. But does he win? Yes. You give me Watson, you give me Mahomes, solid, you know, Thursday night game. And then I think the overall theme is a lot of teams got a lot of primetime games. Peter Schrager tweeted out that eight teams have five primetime games. That's a lot. And that doesn't include the Saints. Now, is it a little inflated? Yes. Because a lot of the Sunday night games, as we've seen the last several years, like I think it's the second half of the season, maybe it's after week nine or ten, they can flex, right? Like The one thing when you're on Monday night or Thursday night, you, there's no flexing. If, you're a th- if you get a Thursday night game or you get a Monday night game, you are playing that game. Logistically, you just can't move it. The Sunday night thing, because all i got to do is bump you back three hours or bump you forward three hours, it's an easy move. You're already traveling to that place anyway. It doesn't change a thing. So if you have the Sunday night games... Definitely week 10 to week 17, there's no sure thing. But one thing's pretty clear, they they got pretty aggressive. And they got aggressive with teams like the Rams and the Raiders because they're moving into new stadiums. And I think the Raiders getting to a Monday night and a Sunday night game right off the bat, John Gruden against uh, Drew Brees week two and Tom Brady week seven, like... That's risky for the NFL. I get they're moving into a new stadium, but they haven't been very good for the last 17 years. Now, there are a lot of other teams that I just don't know. Now, maybe the Raiders are good. Maybe I think Tampa's going to be pretty good, and we'll dive into them here in a second. But I know one team I still take pretty seriously. I know right the first team I looked at their schedule was the Niners, and they go to at New England, at Foxborough. The Raiders actually go to Foxborough, too. When you go to Foxborough, I get Tom's not there. And I get this team is not going to be the same. They're not going to win 11, 12 games. But they're not going to win five or six. I think they're like seven or eight. And they are going to be a a mother at home. They're going to be tough. They have an elite coach. They still have a good defense. They have good coaches. They they are not just going to be some shitty team. They're not going to be the Jags. They're not going to be what the Cards have been. They're not going to be the Lions. I I just think a lot of people, I think this year, are going to be like, win when we just look at the schedule. And listen, we all do that. Think how often you go, oh, 10 and 6, or, God, this schedule looks hard, and then things change. That's why I think it's very, very difficult for the schedule, is every year a couple quarterbacks go down. Every year, even if a quarterback doesn't go down all season, they may miss a specific game, and you playing the Packers against Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love is a big deal, right? You playing, you just pick the team. You playing Kyler Murray or Brett Hundley, I don't know, Brett Hundley even still on the team, but you, you get to my drift. So the eight teams, five primetime games, I think there's more parity because of Corona and no offseason. 
I don't know if we're going to see many 14, 15, you know, obviously not 16, but like even like 13 wins. I think this year 11, 12 wins is going to actually be like 14. Even with teams like the Chiefs, they're returning 20 of 22 starters. They have the best quarterback in the world. They had a really good draft. If this was a normal year, I'd be like, you know what? Kansas City's probably going to go 15 and 1. They're going to dominate. They're, they're going to be like, remember the season after the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010? In 2011, they went 15 and 1. Now, ironically, they got beat, remember, by Eli Manning uh, in, in the playoffs. But you know what? You catch my drift. They, they came back even better after they. I, I think that was, is going to be the Chiefs. But with no offseason. Also factoring in all these guys, like dudes trying Pelotons and lifting at home. It's not the same. This is not, you're not playing baseball where you got to do calisthenics or even being Tom Brady pliability. If you're a 23 year old linebacker, you're trying to build some muscle mass. And it's probably pretty difficult to do that right now. So I, I think it's going to dramatically change big picture, just a win or two for even good teams. Now, here's one thing with Tom Brady. When you think Tom Brady and the Pats, you think, well, down the stretch, they always win between 12 and 14 games. They win so many games at Foxborough when it's really, really cold. And we, we've all watched the games over the last you know decade and a half. Sunday night, Monday night football, down the home stretch of November and December of a season. And it's the Patriots playing a lot of games because they've been the best team in the league over the, you know, the last two decades. They deserved it. But one thing as you get older, even a guy that has lived in the cold for a long, long time, not me, Tom, and I think Aaron too, you do benefit from getting away from that. I'm 35 right now. If I, during the winter, cold, like if I go, if I work out hard the next day, I kind of feel tight. I can't imagine being a professional athlete. Being in the warm weather, have you ever tried to go for a jog in 100 degrees or go for a jog in 40 degrees? It's, now it's hotter in the 100, but it's much easier to run once you start sweating in 100 degrees. No different golf, no different in any activity. It's just easier to get loose. And Brady's final seven weeks of the season, home, home, by, home, indoors, indoors, home. That has a huge impact to me. Like, I think Tampa's going to be really good. I think Tampa's going to be really, really good. And when I say that, like 10 or 11 wins. But once it comes playoff time, like, they can win the Super Bowl. Another thing that stood out to me. Over the last, you know, handful of years, definitely probably the last decade, the Monday night schedule has been awful. Sunday night football has been the best games. When, you, when I close my eyes and think Sunday night football, I think like Eagles-Cowboys, Ravens-Steelers, you know, Pats-Chiefs, Niners-Seattle. I, I just think great game. Packers-Bears. I, I just think sw- Packers-New England. I, I just think great game, Sunday night football. You, you name it, Cam Newton-Saints, whatever. Just star power, elite game, 20 million people watching. And then Monday night, which... As a 35-year-old, I still have a soft spot for. When I was getting into sports, like anyone close to my age in the 90s, Monday Night Football was the shit. I love Monday Night Football. I, I, I'll never forget, like, uh, Schottenheimer's teams playing, like, the Raiders and the Broncos versus Shanahan and just some of the Favre games. and It was awesome. Monday Night Football game has lost its luster. Part of it is, you know, once Gruden left, they've had a disaster in terms of the booth, but their games have been bad. It'd be like, God... Jags, Titans, uh, Cardinals, Lions. Like, what am I watching? But it's football. I watched it. And, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. Because, again, I, I'll watch any pro football game. But when I think Monday night football, I think big games. And that's what we've seen the last several years with Thursday night football games. The Thursday night football games, once Fox got involved, 
kind of trumped the Monday night games. A big part of that, let's call a spade a spade, ESPN became very anti-NFL. And there was like a political element to it. You know, the NFL's kind of the conservative league. The NBA's the progressive league. Even though the NFL is the league that everyone watches in the NBA now, ratings-wise, we'll dive into it with the Christmas game, is a league that actually not that many people watch. But politically, a lot of reporters who lean extreme left kind of lean to that league. Even though the NFL and the NBA are exactly the same. They're trying to make as much money as humanly possible. One league gets kind of pigeonholed as the assholes. The other league gets pigeonholed as like, oh, they care about us. Even though it's it's all kind of fraudulent, I think they're exactly the same. Roger just doesn't really care what you think about him. Adam Silver, as I think Colin talked about it this week, is consumed about that. Well, I'll give ESPN credit. They got rid of a lot of the anti-football people. You can be... I'm critical about football. Colin's critical about football. Schefter's... You can be critical about things that happen. But when it feels like you hate football... And remember, there are countless people on, on ESPN that said, I do not like football. Well, then why are you here? Football pays the bills. So get away. And you know what ESPN said? Bye-bye. You're fired. And this year, for the first time ever, I looked down at the schedule. Week one's always weird, right? Because you got the doubleheader. And, and let's... The reality is week one, right? You could throw any team. You could throw Jaguars playing the Jaguars, and we'd watch it. So it's the Giants against the Steelers and the Titans against the Broncos. But after week one, it really gets going. Saints opening up the Vegas Stadium, which will be cool. Chiefs-Ravens, Falcons-Packers, Chargers-Saints, Cardinals-Cowboys, which I actually think the Cardinals are going to be a really good watch this year. Bears-Chargers, Tom Brady-Giants, New England-Jets, Vikings-Bears, Chargers-Tampa, Seattle-Philly, Buffalo-San Francisco, Ravens-Baker-Mayfield, like, we just got some pretty good games. You know, it's not not great. Still probably not Sunday night football and not Thursday night football. But ESPN, you know, they're starting to be a little not hate the NFL and you get better product. You know, and it's it's all kind of a team effort here. Uh, but, you know, whatever you're looking at the schedule, to me the key is is this. How many teams do you play that are coming off buys? How many teams do you play that are when they're coming off buys? Are you coming off a road game? Where are you when you're playing the Thursday night game? Like if you're playing, if you get a home Thursday night game and you're coming off a road game, that's difficult. If you get a home Thursday night game and you're at home, it makes it a little easier. If you're at home and you got a road Thursday night game, not as bad. But the Thursday night game can always get a little weird. And who do you play after your bye week? Who do you play after your Thursday night game? Because that's usually a must win because you get a longer break. Those are key. And depending on your divisional games, you know, I, I don't think it's imperative. Like last year, for example, the Niners went 5-1 and one and won the division by one game. You know, going 5-1 and one in a division is really, really difficult. If you can go 4-2 and two in your division, that means typically you're going to be a good team. If you go 4-2 and two in your division and you can win six games outside of your division, you'll be 10-6 and six and be a lock playoff team. Hell, if you go 4-2 and two in your division... And you go five and five with seven playoff teams, you'll be nine and seven. I think nine and seven this year. The NFC it might be a little more difficult. I think it's much deeper. When you look, Philly, Dallas should be good. Uh, the Packers, the Bears, and many could all be solid. The Niners, Seattle are going to be good. The Cardinals could be feisty. I've kind of got the Rams red flagged. And then you look, the Saints, Tampa. Even Atlanta, hell, they went, remember, they started really slow, but they ended up winning seven games. 
to me, the key is you just got to win the divisional games. And anytime I see a divisional game, road or home, I, I take it very seriously. And I learned this when I was with the Eagles, you, you, a, de- a team in your division. Like if, you, if you're, let's say, the NFC East, and I, if you're a Philly or Dallas fan, you go, well, the Giants and the Redskins are going to suck. Well, we know that's not usually the way it goes down. Because even if they do suck, that one of the two games that you play them, it's going to be a tie game in the fourth quarter. And that's what makes football cool. That's why football is king. Because even when teams suck, like we get great games on Sunday. We get like you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, how are we going to lose these guys? It, it happens. I mean, it's, it's the best part. Like in basketball, it doesn't. You got Kevin Durant or you got LeBron. If they try, you're going to destroy terrible teams. In football, you can try and still be a tight game just because nature of the sport. So I, you know, got to give the NFL credit, man. They've had free agency, they've had the draft, and they've got schedule release. And during this pandemic, which is the shittiest time ever, they have had complete ownage of everything we've talked about, of what fans think about. They've been the only thing cool that's been going on. Now, there's an element of luck, as I talked about earlier this week. It just happened to fall in their offseason. But you got to give Roger Goodell credit. He's kept his pedal to the floor, not flinched at all, kept everything coming. We don't even know if we can play these games. You know what Roger said? I don't care. Put this bad boy out. Get the people talking. Let's own this real estate. Like I think he's going to try to do with Christmas Day. Let's dive into that. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's dive into a game that really jumped out to me on the schedule. And it made me think of a quote in the book The Shoe Dog about Phil Knight, the guy that started Nike, created Nike, and ran Nike. 
Uh, you're a legend. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who he is. I, I recommend the book. And when I say I read it, I listen. I'm, I'm an audio book guy. I listen to it. Great, great listen. He had a quote that I immediately wrote down because it's so right. Business is a war without bullets. I would imagine many of you listening are in countless different industries. And if you and I were sitting there with beers, whether you're in the food business, whether you're in football, uh, whether you're in tech, whatever you're in, we were just bullshitting. You would tell me horror stories about how cutthroat your business is and the competition. Because at the end of the day, every business wants to wipe out their competition. Now, they may not say it and they may not tweet it. I mean, if you like follow Facebook, you know, Zuckerberg, like, for the people, this is about the community. He's been wiping people out since he since they really hit it big. Just the I see it in Silicon Valley all the time. Talk a big game, but the, the, the business, the model is to try to gain all the market share. As much as you, they'll, the, the government will legally allow you to make. And I, I just, times change so fast now. I, you know, I talk about trading stocks and screwing around. And I, I got rid of some of my Square stock as the pandemic hit. And, and what Square is, and I bet a lot of you guys know what it is. It's just like the portable thing you put your credit card in when you go to like a small business. Hell, even some bigger businesses have them. But my, my rationale was, well, during the pandemic, all these businesses are closed. This, this, this stock's going to tank. I was wrong. It actually has gone up a lot. And, and on the day I'm recording this, uh, it went up like a, a lot. And I'm kicking myself because I'm reading, oh, they also have the Cash App. And someone last week told me about this, you know, this girl who runs this business. And she's like, uh, she's like, you know, actually, I got a Venmo credit card. And you realize that like Cash App and Venmo are starting to just operate like a bank. And so, of course, Square, yeah, in theory, they're, they've lost revenue with the percentage they were making on the small businesses. But they've made so much money on the way people trade and pay people through the Cash App, which they own. Same like it's no different like Venmo, and I'm just kicking myself. I'm like, God, I should have been more forward thinking. Because I'll never forget when I flew home from Hawaii, the biggest film in America, The Irishman, essentially went straight to Netflix. I pressed a button. Ten minutes later, it was on my iPad, and I watched on the flight home. I'm like, God, if I could have told ten years ago, John Middlecoff, that you'd be able to do this, that you know, movie theaters would be essentially dead, I wouldn't have believed you. But times change. Because forever. My entire life, I was born in 84, Michael Jordan's rookie year. By the time I came to my own as a sports fan, there were two things that really made the, well, I mean, well, baseball was huge. I mean, I, I would say baseball was as big as any sport when I was growing up, up until the strike. Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, uh, Cal Ripken, Roger Clemens, you name it. The big baseball players were every bit as famous as, you know, what Tom Brady or James Harden and LeBron James, I mean, they were, they were rock stars. It changed after 94. Never was quite the same. And you could argue the NBA hasn't been quite the same since Jordan, but they were still really, really relevant with Kobe and Shaq, and then again with Co- the late Kobe and, you know, a large percentage of LeBron. But the last five or six years, they've fallen off a cliff. And they're, they're taking on... I mean, they're like the Titanic right now, literally, because they leak all their plans to reporters, and then whenever Adam Silver is asked about it, he refuses to say anything. You know why? Because he's scared. He's terrified of this quote-unquote backlash, which I was thinking about the other day. Like, imagine if you ran a business and are terrified of quote-unquote backlash. What does that mean? Now, I think we're all terrified of, like, losing consumers or going out of business, 
But what does just backlash mean if it doesn't cost you any money? Who gives a shit? Why does, why does that even matter? It, it doesn't. And the NFL isn't scared of backlash. But they also see, they're like a great white shark. And the NBA right now is like a seal that's leaking a little blood. And the great white shark's hungry for dinner. Because they put a game on Christmas this year. Christmas doesn't fall on a Saturday or Sunday. It falls on a Friday. Well, the NBA forever has owned Christmas. When I think Christmas, I think Jordan, I think Kobe, I think Shaq, I think Kobe again, I think some of those Celtics teams, LeBron, Steph Curry. The NFL goes, you know what? Because this year their ratings on Christmas weren't even very good. The NBA ratings this year were atrocious. Awful. I mean, terrible. The NFL ratings are massive. And I think Roger Goodell realized, why don't we take some of that real estate? Why don't we stake our claim there and take that kind of over? And then, yeah, for the next several years, it kind of lines up in our favor. Friday this year, Saturday next year, Sunday next year, and then Monday the following year. So, like, in a four-year stretch, you know, it just pushes back one year. Why not in, like, four or five years, why don't we just keep mushing Tuesday, Wednesday? Why don't we just compete with them and set up a buy some way? Because it won't be any competing. We will dominate. Because the NFL's competition is not the NBA anymore. They've lapped the NBA. You could argue the NBA, if they don't play this pandemic right, and they're going to be last to come back, clearly. Baseball's coming back. UFC's fighting this weekend. Golf's coming back. Hell, Phil Tiger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady are playing. Everything's coming back. The NBA's going to be last. They might actually be going through, with this pandemic, their version of the 94 strike. Because the fans have already been tapping out anyway. And now if they just take the rest of the year off or don't come back or come back in a weird way, and then who knows? It, it, could, it could really hurt the brand. Maybe the NFL's thinking, we can step on their throat. Because who's owned the conversation for the last, during the pandemic? Now part of it was just they were set up. The NFL has owned the entire conversation. Now, you could argue during free agency in the draft they would anyway. But because the NBA hasn't done anything or even attempted to do anything, the NFL has just talked about, I mean, this is a football show, but every time you turn on television, every show or most podcasts, we're talking football because there's a lot of football stories going on because the football, despite having to kind of, you know, work around the pandemic while their season wasn't going on, they still had to, you know, shut down buildings, do everything. They just kept adapting and the, the NBA can't figure it out. They, they cannot adapt. And they're, quote-unquote, the most progressive league. Yet the NFL, that if you just watch the media's takes over the last decade, losers, Goodell's incompetent, just greedy. The irony is the NBA was in bed with China, and the moment it got a little weird, they refused to say anything bad about them. It's like every business is, quote-unquote, greedy. Greed is what pays the bills. You know? I mean, there's not a more overused word in pro sports than greed. Their expenses in all these pro leagues are insanely high. No workforce in world history costs as much as professional sports, right? The amount of money you pay players. So you, you have to be greedy. It literally pays for things. Think about like the teams in baseball that aren't quote-unquote greedy and don't do everything possible to make money, but just make money for themselves like the Oakland A's. I'd say call that moronic. It's just poor business. Luckily, Billy Bean is a dynamic general manager and talent evaluator that he can keep them above, you know, their head above water and actually win while their owner just pockets all the profits. But the NFL, I just think, sees opportunity. And this could be a moment 
I'm not trying to overreact and say it's going to change forever, but who knows? I mean, once upon a time, when I was growing up, you wanted to get a movie, you had to go to Blockbuster. Then all of a sudden, Blockbuster was dead, and you got your DVDs delivered to you. And then several years later, I downloaded an app, press a button, and watched the number one movie in America on my flight home. So the NBA owned Christmas for 34 years of my life. When I thought Christmas and sports, I thought National Basketball Association. Who's to say my unborn child will, will think that? Who knows? Maybe in 15 years. I don't plan on having a kid anytime soon, but you never know. And uh, all of a sudden, he's like, the NFL is Christmas. That's just how society's never changed fast as fast as it does now. And like Phil Knight says, business, these big, especially big business, they are so aggressive. And they will do anything to get them an extra percentage point. Because once you get to that level, like if, if you're, you know, doing six figures in revenue or whatever, every percentage isn't that huge. It gets bigger, like if you go from $500,000 to a million dollars, then a million to two million. But once you get to like a hundred million, there's a big difference between a hundred and a hundred and fifty million dollars or a billion and two billion. You know, it's money's all relative, uh, relative, right? And I, I think they see kind of a sinking ship. You know, LeBron's career, well, he's actually still going strong. He looks fantastic. But I, I do think. Humans are somewhat numb to LeBron. I mean, we've heard his name for so long. He just, we know everything about him. We know all his kids. Like, there's nothing to learn. Like, there was a lot of mystery with Michael Jordan. I'm watching this. I'm a diehard Michael Jordan fan. I don't know that much about him. I think Tiger Woods is kind of like that. Like, I don't know that much about Tiger Woods. I mean, I've learned it as years ago, but I, I know everything I had to know about LeBron. You know it all. He's told me it all. So all of his shows. I don't, I, 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 do I know that much about Tom Brady or even Peyton Manning? Not really. Like, the NFL does a pretty good job of balancing this kind of mysterious act. I've said it all the time. I'm not, they, are, they have a built-in advantage with society that when you get the amount of games that baseball and basketball have, we don't need to pay attention as much, and we have more options to entertain us. Where football, it's just once a week. So whoever your team is, we all, if you're just used to Sunday just kind of chilling, it's built in, and now with fantasy football, with gambling, can keep you engaged even if you don't care about the teams. But don't be shocked in 10 years if when when I say Christmas Day and, and associated with sports, you think football, not basketball. Okay, I'm going to dive into a couple stories that, I'll be completely honest, mid-pandemic, you, you never know exactly what you're going to get, but I, I didn't expect either one of these two. And it reminds me of this. When I was my freshman, I graduated high school in 2003, so in the fall of 2003, I was in college. And I, I'm pretty sure, I am sure, I don't know if it was the first season, it, it might have been, of the show Playmakers, remember on ESPN, that had dudes just doing everything under the sun. It was crazy. It was NFL, but it was based on like, from freebasing drugs, to sex, to just, it was awesome. I mean, it was everything I like in a television show. Had sports, had violence, had drugs, had nudity. It was great. I mean, it's, it's what moves the needle for uh, a, a young consumer. But the NFL, because they were in partnership with ESPN, Goodell wouldn't even have been the commissioner then. I guess it would have been Tagliabue. Caused a huge stink because it portrayed the NFL in a bad light, right? Because it was pretty nuts. Though, several years later, now they're not a partner, but HBO with The Rock, 
and uh, and his show is kind of the same thing. But I, I you could argue Playmaker's probably just as bad, if not worse. The reality is, over the last 15 years, we've literally experienced everything. And over the 20-year-plus period of the NFL, from murder uh, to suicide to domestic violence to drugs to drug trafficking to fraud uh, to cheating, there's literally not a story that a movie has been made about that the NFL, in some weird way, hasn't been interconnected. Or could just say, yeah, we... We had a coach, do, a coach do blow. We had a uh, a player go get drugs. We had a player shoot someone else. We had a player, you know, do this and that. It's, it's all happened. Everything under the sun in the last 20 years. There's probably not an incident that you can't find. And I'm not much. And don't get me wrong. I, the majority, the heavy majority, most guys in the NFL are really, really high level. The percentage of these guys doing crazy stuff is small. That are definitely getting in trouble. Now, there might be a percentage that aren't getting in trouble that are pushing the envelope, but welcome to society. Well, I got two stories for you. I'm going to start with Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas got into an argument with his wife uh, earlier this month, or I guess it was actually in April, and left with his brother Seth. His wife, who actually was his high school sweetheart, used Snapchat and was somehow, I don't even know how this works. Now, I've always been actually a believer in Snapchat. My younger brother... When he sends me pictures like of his newborn baby, of him you know, playing golf, of whatever he's doing, he sends them via Snapchat. And all of his friends utilize Snapchat, and I've, I, I never pulled the trigger to buy the stock. But I'm telling you, Snapchat, the youth, they love it. Clearly Earl Thomas and his wife do too, because she was able to like hack into a Snapchat, find out where, where he was. And when she got there, Earl Thomas was having an orgy with his brother and several women. And he also owns a 9mm, which she had had in her hands. Now she was going to try to scare him, so she took out the clip, but clearly doesn't have much experience with a gun, knowing there's also one in the chamber. And they're, they're all naked. It sure sounds like, I'm, I'm sure, in the next couple weeks, if not sooner, the video will come out on TMZ, and it'll look like a scene in Playmakers, and she puts the gun to his head. Now, I don't think... He knew whether it was loaded or not. I would guess he just assumed it was. I mean, your first reaction when you see someone pointing a gun at you, I've never had a gun pointed at me, uh, at least a you know an actual gun. I mean, I've had paintball guns and BB guns pointed at you. You always assume it's loaded. That's why you always turn. Uh, now, he, I guess, fought it off. Again, having an orgy with his brother. Imagine a lot of commotion when she comes storming in with a couple of her friends. Again, you can't make this up, even though Playmakers kind of did over the years. And uh, he's lucky he didn't die. So, I mean, for as funny as the story is, there was a bullet in there. If she pulled it, it would have been one of the great NFL tragedies. Like, it would have been... I, I can't even imagine what that... You know, one, a guy's a Hall of Fame player has head blown off by his wife. Uh, now, you could argue you shouldn't be cheating on your wife. That's their own issues. I, I just know the... Uh, heard enough stories. The young, the elites, the rich. They don't live like you and I. So, like, I, I make, I, when I say the word orgy, it's kind of funny, but, like, I, I think it's probably s- normal vernacular for some people. NFL, Hollywood, they, we, we don't relate, us, us peons in normal society. But we do, like, you piss off a wife or your husband or whatever, like, you never know. Now, you put a gun, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm pretty sure even if Earl doesn't press charges, it's out of his hands, like, that's attempted murder. Right or at least I don't know the exact term, but she's going to get in trouble. I think it'll be hard for her to avoid jail time. 
But what a crazy-ass story. Only in the NFL could you have, you know, a borderline future Hall of Fame player having an orgy with his brother, having his wife storm into the house. He's at some other house or hotel or wherever. And with her friends, kick the door open, find them all naked, point a gun at him, have an altercation where he fights off the weapon, and then the police come and arrest her. I mean, yeah, I, I, if I made that up about a player, you would be like, Middlecoff, are you on drugs? Put down the tequila. And this, this really happens. It's just, it's, it's, we can laugh at it because no one got injured. But it's just like, when you're kind of reading it, your jaw's hitting the floor when I'm reading this TMZ article. I'm like, this, this shit is nuts. This is, this is crazy. I mean, this is, you can't make this up. The Brett Favre story, we've seen this song and dance before. Uh, a lot of rich people have defrauded other people. Uh, the story is that Brett Favre in Mississippi has this thing called Favre Enterprises, which I would imagine a lot of you know former athletes, famous people in Hollywood, whatever that use their individual quote unquote likeness as their money making you know uh, vehicle. Just Favre Enterprises, LeBron Enterprises, Curry, whatever, right? Tom TB12. It's all you know. It's all the same shit, just different pile. But here's what Brett Favre, here's a problem with what Brett Favre did. And I, I, got a, I got a big red flag on this. Brett Favre, I guess, gives speeches. And to get Brett Favre to speak, it's clearly not cheap. Because he got paid for two separate speeches, one $500,000 and one $600,000. Now, I've read some articles, which I'm sure many of you have stumbled upon, like, I don't think you quite understand, and I definitely didn't, until you read an article like, damn, they pay that guy to speak? They pay him how much? They pay who I, I get like paying a former president, but you, you see some of these stories about former athletes that get paid just paid appearances. You can rack up some cash. Brett Favre in his hometown of Mississippi or his home state of Mississippi. I don't know if it's actually Hattiesburg or wherever he grew up, but charge this you know uh, Mississippi some sort of entity multiple times and got paid one point one million dollars. Well, here's a kicker: he didn't actually give a speech either time. Got free money. Now, I've seen enough uh, true crime uh, shows. I've known enough people that have done some shady stuff, or at least family friends, not actually my friends. We haven't made uh, enough money yet. But this is either two things. Either Brett is full-on defrauding these people, and he was actively doing this, or he had an employee go rogue, which also I could see be very possible. Do I envision Brett Favre doing the books at Favre Enterprises? No, I do not. Do I envision Brett Favre uh, scheduling the speaking engagements at Favre Enterprises? No, I do not. Would it probably be a pretty easy place to go rogue? Just like a lot of famous athletes' charities, you, we, we've seen these stories over the years where it's easy for a family member, a trusted associate to take advantage of the situation. But here's where I kind of wonder. Because Brett Favre immediately, immediately, like to me, if we were defrauding someone and I was not involved, I would go, whoa, pump the brakes here. I, I, I would say, let's just stop everything. I would not move any money. I would not pay anyone back. I would just start asking questions. Well, Favre Enterprise immediately paid $500,000 of the $1.1 million back. To me, that's the classic, like, nothing to see here, just giving the money back. So I would lean, again, educated guess that Favre might have known something. Now, I'm a big Brett Favre guy. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time. I got to meet him once once when I worked in Philly. He was up seeing Marty and Andy. I, I, I was 
I've met some famous people over my life. I don't remember kind of my heart beating, kind of getting shell-shocked. Now, I was in my mid-20s or whatever, but it was still it was still pretty cool getting to meet Brett Favre, walking right by him in the hallway. So I hope this isn't true, and I hope that he had an employee that went rogue. But any time that you immediately pay someone back after you get caught and just go, oh, nothing, nothing to see here. We, we just pay him back. My bad, our bad. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. I don't know. I, I'm going to lean that he might have known a little something. Because clearly Favre Enterprises was defrauding people. And you just, now, do I think Brett Favre's going to go to jail or anything? Of course not. Uh, no chance. Definitely not in Mississippi either. But it shows you, you know, what's the famous saying? You don't, uh, don't meet your heroes. This would be sad if, if Favre was really behind this for just a, a little $1.1 million kicker to do nothing. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's dive into uh, the Middlecoff mailbag. But before we dive in, I, I got to remind everybody, if you guys like the show, go to the Apple iTunes 3 and Out podcast and leave a review. You can leave a review on the Apple iTunes podcast. I know a lot of people have. Trying to get to four figures. I think last time I checked, it was like 940 reviews. Like to get to 1,000, and then, then we'll shoot for more. But appreciate everyone that's been doing that, and keep doing that. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Same as my Twitter handle. That's my name, full name. Um, actually, my full name is John David Middlecoff. But my Twitter and my Instagram go by John Middlecoff. Two Fs. Unlike this, uh, in the when you work in the NFL and you, like, win a division, or you win the NFC or AFC, you get, like, a ball. You know, it says, like, NFC East champs, and then it says your name, and then it's, like, the score of the game that you won the division, the game on. They spelled my name wrong. But, you know, it builds character. Uh, 
But I got that. I got that in my uh, in my office right now. At John Middlecoff Instagram, hit me with your questions. I'm gonna need a bunch because I don't think I have that many left. Hey John, I listen to a ton of sports talk radio and I've been putting you on my rotation lately. Keep getting better. You haven't peaked yet. Appreciate it. Here's my question: What is the long term future for the Big Twelve? Sub questions: Can Texas survive as an independent like Notre Dame? What's your opinion of the Longhorn Network? Can the remaining Big 12 survive without Texas and Oklahoma? Okay, I'll start at the end and work backwards. The first answer would be no. Texas and Oklahoma carry it. I don't watch the Longhorn Network. I think Texas should stay in the Big 12. You have built-in rivalries right there. It works. Texas playing Oklahoma State, playing obviously Oklahoma. It's one of the best games of the year. Texas Tech feels like a big game. Uh, Iowa State. Yeah, there's no reason to leave. I think the problem with the Big 12 right now is they have one legit powerhouse in Oklahoma. And even Oklahoma is somewhat flawed because you have to build this spread defense to play all the spread offenses. And then as we've seen the last several years, when they get into the playoffs, it's hard for them to hang with Georgia, Clemson, Bama, whatever. And they have unreal offenses. And I think Lincoln, it's fair to say, is a stud. But to me, for the Big 12 to be legit... They need Texas to be good with Oklahoma. And then to have just some, you know, some of the extra teams just be 8-9 wins. Whether it's Texas Tech, whether it's Iowa State, whether it's Kansas State, teams Oklahoma State. And just be kind of nationally in the top 25. But you need Oklahoma and Texas to be your lead dogs competing to make the playoffs. And right now, it's Oklahoma or bust. Tom Herman, it's just kind of been a disaster. You know, they haven't sniffed being what they were under Mack in the mid-2000s. Just a powerhouse, producing NFL players, and ranked in the top 10. Anytime they've been ranked in the top 10 recently, it's been fake. It's been fraudulent. They're quickly out of it. They they need to, I don't know, I don't know, I don't have the answer. But it's clear they get enough recruits coming out of Texas. The brand's big enough where you can go just in that general area in the Midwest. You can steal a couple kids out of California. Austin's a cool city. It has history. You've won a national championship. You got a lot of guys over the years in the NFL. Not recently. Like, think about how much cooler it is to be at Oklahoma alum. How many more guys in the last five years are in the NFL from Oklahoma than Texas? So it's one thing to go, oh, remember Vince Young? No, actually, I don't. I'm 18 years old. It's 2020. So in 2005, I was what? Three? You do the math. I mean, what's... You would be born in 2002, right? No, I don't remember Vince Young. Remember Ricky Williams? No, I wasn't alive. Some of the cool players that I grew up on, like Roy Williams, uh, trying to think of just some of the, Jamal Charles, no one remembers these guys. Think of, think of like, oh, you watch Oklahoma? Oh, yeah, Joe Mixon, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Sterling Shepard, all the offensive linemen, Kenneth Murray, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, right? Jalen Hurts. Lincoln Riley, Bob Stoops, just feels way sweeter. Producing way more NFL players. Mark Andrews. Oh, I love Lamar Jackson. I, I throw it to him on Madden all the time. Who, who are you doing that with Texas? That's a that's a problem. Hell, you could argue Texas Tech is more relevant right now in the NFL because they got Mahomes. And even Baker played there for a split second. And Cliff Kingsbury's an NFL coach. With Dallas signing Dalton, I'm hearing mixed takes. Some say no trouble for Dak. Others say it takes pressures off the Cowboys to make a deal and happen with Dak. Am I wrong to hope for an open competition between Dak and Dalton, or does Zach deserve to show up and be the quarterback one with a new coach and show up 
show us his worth. Well, if Dak is there, whether it's on the franchise tag or whether it's on a new contract, and I'm trying to think, oh, I saw Schefter during like ESPN's schedule release show say one point of contention right now is the Cowboys want to sign him to a long-term deal, like five years. And I guess Kirk Cousins had talked to Dak Prescott. It's like, Kirk, why are you talking to anybody? Like, you're not, you're not good enough to be giving advice to people. But he told Dak Prescott, use the, uh, the franchise tag to your advantage. And Dak Prescott wants to sign a shorter-term deal, three or four years. Well, if I'm the Cowboys, I'm not signing you unless I own your rights for a long period of time. Irony is I don't love doing that for Dak Prescott. I actually wouldn't mind going short-term. Clearly, I think Dak Prescott's trying to go Kirk Cousins. Like, Dak, you're overthinking this. You can win games with Dallas. You could help. Their team might be good enough the next couple of years, maybe win a Super Bowl, be a legend. All Cousins is going to be known for is having made a ton of money. No one will ever go, you know what Kirk Cousins was? Pretty good at football. Though, he's not bad. But I, no one is going to talk like that. No one's going to think like that. People are going to be like, yeah, that overpaid guy. The guy that, God, that guy, the guy that made $300 million. He didn't make that much, but you know what I'm saying. He made, think how much money Kirk Cousins made. He got franchised twice. I think what that number add up to like $47 million. The Vikings gave him $85 million, purely guaranteed. So we're already at like $130 million. The Vikings just gave him another $60 million. I mean, Kirk Cousins already had like $190 million. Won one playoff game. There is no player that's in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, like top 15, that I would feel less confident in in a big game than that guy. He's made $190 million, give or take, in the next couple years. That's insanity. Like, there's a balance stack. You're going to be worth easily that much if you just play it right here and win big with the Dallas Cowboys. You'll be a legend. You'll be a legend. Kirk Cousins will not be a legend. He'll be rich, but that's the guy that everyone's, oh, yeah, guy's kind of average. Uh, hey, John, after taking Chase Young, that Redskins defense is looking very underrated. Is it just me, or or is the five-game over-under an easy over? Well, the defense should be good. And Jack and Ron, defensive guys, they'll be physical up front. Their front seven is good. I, I just wonder about the offense. You know, I mean, I, I think Dwayne Haskins was, was really shitty last year. Kyle Allen's actually okay, but... You know, what do they have? They got Darius Geis. They bring back Adrian Peterson. You don't have Trent Williams, but you didn't have him last year either. You have the young kid, Terry McLaren. Am I saying his name right? The rookie at Ohio State. Like, they actually could be good and be 5-11. and 11. Be, like, much improved. But, yeah, I mean, I if I was going to bet an over-under on the Redskins, I'd probably take the over. Just And that's probably just Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera's a good coach. I, I just, the quarterback play, I think there's a lot of unknown. I don't think the Redskins know. Uh, but defensively, they could be good. The, the The division, you know, the Giants are going to be better. The Eagles should be better. And the Cowboys should be better. So the division, actually, which was bad last year, should be much improved. Love the show. What are your thoughts on Justin Herbert? Do you think he will be successful in the league in the Chargers franchise quarterback? Does he start this season a red shirt in 2021? You know, in 2020, I don't think you red shirt players. Unless you're like Jordan Love situation. But if I draft a guy in the top 10, I, I, I'm i drafting him to play him. And I get Jordan Love is not like Burrow or Tua in terms of being this finished product. Can like read defenses and pick you apart. Let him learn on the job. 
your team's so talented enough. You know, I think a good a good uh, kind of comparison is when Roethlisberger took over. The team had so many premium players, and that's what this team has, right? They had Kenneth Murray to go with Derwin James, to go with Bosa, to go with Ingram, to go with Hayward. They have a good secondary. They got Gus Bradley. Offensively, they got Eckler. They got Mike Williams. They got Hunter Henry. They got Keenan Allen. Just, you know, I'm a big believer is, you know, once a kid gets to a certain age, throw him in the deep end. Let, let him swim a little bit. Now stand right there and don't let him drown, but put him in position to swim. You know, you've taught him. He's put some floaties on. He's going to have the offseason. Maybe you don't even need to start him week one, but I'm not riding Tyrod Taylor out long. You know, this is, the, the NFL's changed. This guy's a four-year starter. Four-year starter. It'd be one thing, right, if he was, you know, he's just one-year starter in, at Oregon, kind of like a Mr. Bisk. He's been starting for four years. Four! I, I, I got to play Herbert. I think he has a chance to be a really good player. And I think, worst case, he's just kind of like what Josh Allen has been the last couple of years. Kind of hit or miss, but his talent's so immense, and their talent on the team is good. Now, one issue I have is I don't love the head coach. I don't think that highly of Anthony Lynn. I think he's pretty average. Uh, but their their defense, and I think, I think highly of Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator, and I think highly of their personnel. So anytime you can put a young quarterback on a team that has good personnel – you have a chance to succeed. If, if I put any young individual in any job and I put you in a job with that has no clue what they're going and bad you know, employees around you, the thing's going to suck, right? If I take some young producer and I throw him on Coward Show, he's got a shot. If I take some young producer and throw him on some dude's YouTube channel that has one follower, it's probably not going to be any good. So if I take this young guy that actually does have some talent and I put him around a bunch of talented people, I think he's got a shot to be a pretty good player. Chris Ballard hit the mother load with Nelson and Leonard, but his first draft doesn't look so good these days. Hooker, Wilson, Basham, and Banner. Three are gone and one has a foot out the door. Are these players not living up to expectations, a function of Ballard just missing on players? Or does going from Chuck Pagano's 3-4 defense to Uberflus's Tampa 2 require so much of a different skill set that players drafted for the old coaching staff would have a hard time translating. Well, I'll be honest with you, I'd have to text around and get more of an in-depth scouting report on Malik Hooker because I liked Malik Hooker when he was young, and then he got injured, and he clearly hasn't been the same. Banner, the tackle from USC, I was never a big fan of. I, I, I don't like unathletic tackles that don't move very well. It's just a bad fit. The other two guys, I, I can't pretend to have that good of a feel on. I also think the first time you ever draft, and anytime you go through a draft when you have, I mean, let's be real, a coach that was going to get fired at the end of the season, you're kind of wasting a year. I always like just pulling the trigger, firing a guy, and starting and just get going. Now, they didn't, and I think he's made up for it. I think he's proven. You see it again in this draft. You get DeForest Buckner. You get Jonathan Taylor. You get Michael Pittman. You land Phillip Rivers. Like They're just a high-level organization. I believe in Chris Ballard. Great GM. John Schneider has just some terrible draft picks. Awful. You know, look at John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, who went 13-3 and and dominated the NFC last year. Drafted Solomon Thomas at third overall. It, it, it happens. Howie's missed on some guys. Coach Reed's missed on some guys. Sean Payton's missed on guys. It, it happens. It's, it's hard. Uh, but I, I, I'm a huge Chris Ballard guy, as anyone that listens to the show knows. Just because... And not like I know him like coward. 
just knowing him through my friends in the league. Like I know Nagy and Veach and Andy, those guys love him. Just watch the way he operates. Think about Chris Ballard takes over. Think of what happened has what what has happened to Chris Ballard in his tenure. Uh, he gets there, he's got to fire a coach. Then he hires Josh McDaniels, and he's left at the altar. And then he has to scramble. He gets Frank. Andrew Luck retires on him, just quits. No one sees it coming. I mean, they they had no clue. He just quits. It's over. And they've done a pretty good job pivoting every time and not being an embarrassment. I I think Chris is a really, really impressive guy. And at the end of the day, you're going to miss, I mean, you're going to miss on, you know, 50% of your first-round picks, let alone as the draft goes on, it only gets more difficult. So if I was a Colts fan, I would feel good about it. I wouldn't even worry about that first draft and just go, we got a team this year that can win 10 games. And in the AFC, if we can just avoid Kansas City till the AFC Championship game, just take our chances. We're going to be pretty good. Now, the big question, and I and I don't know the answer to this, is Phillip Rivers. Like, the Phillip Rivers I saw last year, and being on the West Coast, I just watched a lot of Rivers games against the Raiders, against the Broncos. I, th- I thought he was bad. And I love Phillip Rivers. I think Phillip Rivers is going to be a star on television one day if he so chooses to. But his physical ability last year felt to me like he fell off a cliff. He's never been able to move, but his arm, his it was just bad. Maybe it was just an outlier season. Maybe he knew he was leaving the Chargers. Weird spot. But he he, he did some things last year that was like, what the hell is going on? So, I, I listen, I'm rooting for Rivers. I hope he's still good. But there is a chance he's bad. Now you have, you have a backup. Like, Jacoby, if he's healthy, can win you some games. Eason could not. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Do you love Selena? Like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I just watched the Niners versus the Bucks from week one last season. God, NFL geek here. Passing the time in lockdown. And it's hard to believe the team ended up in the Super Bowl. They looked horrible. The amount they improved was unreal. Very, very Belichickian. You know, I whenever you look at this, the week one games, I, I, I don't think they mean much at all. You know, when you look at week one and you look back like week nine or ten, you see a lot of teams that are two and eight in week ten that look good in week one. And you see a lot of Super Bowl level teams that look completely different. I, I put no stock into week one beside you win or you lose. Especially this season. You're going to be coming off a who knows how long training camp's going to be. There's going to be no off season. Uh, I, 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 I personally, and I try to do this. In college, it's a little different because you got to kind of win week one. Uh, you can throw off your playoff chances. In the NFL, you could lay an egg as long as you win, whatever. I think in that game, Jameis... I think he threw two picks and one was a pick six. So yeah, he <laughs> they, they benefited from Jameis, that's for sure. I've been listening to your podcast ever since I heard about you through Colin's show and learned you were a Cal Poly alumni. I'm about to graduate Cal Poly during the shelter in place with my BS in mechanical engineering. I see ya. Go Mustangs. I was wondering what opportunities exist for engineers in the NFL and surrounding media. It would be awesome to combine two things I love. Well, first and foremost, you are way smarter than me because not in a trillion years could I have gotten to Cal Poly with an engineering degree. And even if they would have allowed me in, I would have lasted about one class. So for those that don't know, Cal Poly, we kind of consider ourselves Harvard of the West Coast and the engineering school is big time. It's where the smart kids go. So Alex, you're smart. I I don't know what the combination of engineering or mechanical engineering and uh, in the NFL. But I'll say this. What your major is in college, if you do want to get into sports, you might have to leave the mechanical engineering element of it, at least originally. And clearly, you're a really intelligent guy. You could figure it out. Now, what I'd recommend is I would go mechanical engineering and just crush it and make a ton of cash and just and just dominate the world. And, uh, you know, be able to watch football on Saturdays and Sundays and chill. But that's just me. But I, I I don't necessarily know the connection of mechanical engineering and uh, and football or just sports in general. But I, you're talking to a guy that's not smart enough to – I wouldn't have lasted with you. Let's see. I appreciate what you've been doing to help us get through quarantine. Question. From your position, what will it take for the Jaguars to become a respected organization? Like you, I've gotten – a lot less of a fanatic I've become and just more of a lover of the sport itself, the business, the game. Of course, I want to see the Jags win one day. I mean, that's why we play and why we're close to a few years back. But truthfully, I'd rather see them involved into an organization, the Ravens, the Vikings, the Niners, the Eagles teams. They may not win the Super Bowl every year, but they're always in the conversation. Exude excellence from the top down regarding your experience with the Eagles. What do you think? Well, it starts with the owner with Philly. Uh, and, you know, in fairness, like I, I wouldn't quite put the Niners there yet. They had one good season, though. I think Lynch and Shanahan are really good. I think like the Eagles, the Pats, the Steelers, and it all starts with the owner. And it starts with the consistency at top. And there's just a consistent vision within the organization. I think the problem for the Jags is they got this new owner, Shad Khan. They're trying to be like innovative, but they don't really know what they're doing. And then they don't understand what's going on. And they always miss on these draft picks. And when they do hit on the draft picks, the players end up not liking the place. It's just kind of a bizarre place. 
And maybe there's an element of it as a football player. You feel like you're kind of irrelevant in Jacksonville. It's why a lot of guys kind of force their way out or get unhappy. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just throwing this kind of out of my ass. I'm not quite sure. But I also think if you win in football, people like it and you become a star, right? It's kind of like the NBA. Like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant became superstars in Oklahoma City. Like you could become a star in Jacksonville. You know, if if Leonard Fournette had been Christian McCaffrey, he would be a really big deal. Jalen Ramsey became a star, right? Uh, Yannick Ndakwe is, he's maybe a little under the radar, but he's a pretty big deal. Uh, players over, you can become a big deal there. Just look at like Carolina. Uh, now Carolina, the market size is bigger, but you, you get to my drift. I, I think they just need to get a good coach and they need to get a good general manager and they just need to let it play out. Right now, they've Dave Caldwell's been there forever. They draft in the top 10 every year. So I would say he's not the guy. I would say Doug Marone, not the guy either. So can you just fire everyone at the end of the season and get a good general manager and a good head coach in there? That that would be what I would attempt to do and be my goal if I were them. Because right now they're they're constantly turning over coaches, Tom Coughlin in, and then they fire Tom Coughlin. It's just it kind of feels like a rudderless ship. The Steelers never feel like that. The Eagles ne- the Eagles have one weird year. Chip Kelly's acting weird. Jeffrey Lurie's like, pack your shit up and get out of here. You get it. You're not welcome here anymore. And they haven't looked back since. Two years later, win Super Bowl. The Chiefs. It's like God. Scott Pioli is leaving Snickers bars in in the, uh, you know, in the staircase. Get out of here. Hire Andy Reid. Never look back. Pete Carroll, John Schneider. Boom, kicking everyone's ass. You know the Steelers, the Rooneys. They just keep the same coaches and and are just consistent every year. I, I think you just got to attempt to be consistent. It just starts at the top. Owner, head coach. You could argue the head coach is more important than the quarterback. Because if you've got a good head coach, you'll find a quarterback. You know, we all would love to have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but both those guys, one guy went 24th, the other guy went 199, right? So, like, look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Let's just go west to east. Russell Wilson, third-round pick. Jimmy Garoppolo, second-round pick. Dak Prescott, fourth-round pick. You can find really good players. You know, the Say what you want about Kirk Cousins. The Vikings won a playoff game last year. He's a fourth-round pick. Now, he costs a lot of money, but you catch my drift. So you don't always need to be drafted number one overall to get your quarterback. Garner Minshew might turn out to just be like a top 15, top 20 quarterback. You can win with him if you have a good organization. I don't mean win big, but you could win eight, nine games. It just feels like their their leadership is always just out of it. Appreciate everyone listening. Damn, this thing already went an hour, basically. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Hope I entertained you and uh, keep, I guess, quarantining. Hell, some of where some of you guys living, you know, we're reopening the economy. You guys might be out and about this weekend. Uh, happy Mother's Day! Tell your mom I say hello, and uh, I don't know her or anything, but I'm just trying to be friendly. I didn't mean that in a, in a weird way. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening again. Leave those reviews, Apple, iTunes. Leave the review. Peace. <laughs>
We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.